Cornelius and the other Gentiles. I truly understand that God shows no partiality. Far from every nation, anyone who fears him and doubts his right is acceptable to him. You know the message he sent to the people of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That message spread throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John announced, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. How he went out doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. We are witnesses to all that he did, both in Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and allowed him to appear not to all the people, but to us who were chosen by God as witnesses, and who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one ordained by God as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. The word of the Lord.
bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there, and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white, sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabuni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. The Gospel of the Lord. Year after year. 
times when I come to church on Sunday morning, and I truly believe it's a miracle that people are here. And I say that because there are so many things in our lives that can draw us away. There are so many competing interests. So I think it really is miraculous that we come together once a week, and then on this great day, we celebrate the love of Christ and God. The Swiss theologian counterpart gives something of an explanation as to why we do this. He says that all of us have an unspoken question deep in our hearts and clinging to our minds. And that question is, is it true? And it can take many forms. Is it true that God became one of us? God actually lived the kind of life that we live? Is it true that God could love us? That God could love me? Knowing me? Is it true that God somehow raised Jesus from the dead, gave him new life after death? Is it true that my life might be transformed by that living Christ? But we all have our own sets of is it true questions. But I think that that's part of why we come together, is seeking truth. It has been said that we don't find truth, but rather and I think that's perhaps no more accurate than it is to the resurrection of itself. One of the things that I find interesting about our church, the Episcopal Church, and really the Anglican Communion, is that although we can be very headbound in our attempt to understand our faith and try to intellectualize it, we also hold dear those mysteries that we celebrate together. Perhaps the most important of the mystery is the real presence in Christ, of Christ in the Eucharist, which we will do again today. So as Anglicans, as Episcopalians, we hold dear those things which we seek to understand, and also those things which we know we can never truly understand. Martin Carpenter, uh, in an essay on this gospel, points out something that I found very surprising. He says that in the sermons of the early church, there was very little uh, preached about Jesus' teaching, and there was very little taught about his earthly life. Rather, these uh, early sermonizers, they started with who the teacher was, that he was the Son of God, the one who died and would be raised again. It is the teacher that we celebrate this day, not necessarily so much what he taught, even though we spend a lot of time all through the year talking about what he taught. But it is the teacher, the one who is the Son of God, who died on a cross and who we celebrate this day as the risen Lord. I think we come together with many questions, many doubts, and I would suggest that we need to embrace those doubts. We need to always ask the questions. Because I believe that's how our faith is made stronger. All of the Gospel writers have a little bit different perspective on what happened in the resurrection. And that can cause us to doubt that. They all seem to agree on one thing, that the first witnesses to the risen Lord were women. And you'll recall that women in that culture uh, could not be testified in the court of law. They were, they were not reliable witnesses. And yet all
goes there because of her grief, going there simply to be present at the grave to pray. And then she notices that the tomb is open. And immediately she believes that the grave has been robbed. And so she runs back, she tells Peter and John what she saw, and they too believe that the grave has been robbed. They run to the tomb, and then they look in, and they find in one part of the tomb the burial wrappings of Jesus are just together there, and separate from that, rolled up, is that cloth that's around his head. So it might look not so much like uh, the scene of a grave robber. And then we get this very strange passage that says, John saw and believed. And then immediately the passage goes on, for as yet they did not understand the scripture, and he must rise from the dead. So I think possibly what John believed was that it really was a robbery of the grave, and Jesus' body had been removed. Because it's clear that they did not understand that he had been risen from the dead. I think it's important for us to recall that all of Jesus' disciples, even Mary Magdalene, perhaps was closer to Jesus than the others, and John, the loved disciple, believed that Jesus was dead. They believed the mission was over. It had ended in the most awful way. They had no belief that he would be resurrected. Now at that time, perhaps the majority of Jews believed in the resurrection of the righteous at the last day, but they did not believe it possible that an individual would be raised from the dead in their own way. Well, Mary Magdalene stayed true while the other disciples, it says, went home. Can you imagine the despair that they must have felt? It says they just went home. Mary Magdalene stays there, weeping. And she leans over and looks into the tomb. And there she sees two angels. And the angels say to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Now, if you ever wondered if angels were male or female, this sentence. <laughs> but then here, if you ever ask, why are you weeping? Bad question. <laughs> but perhaps it was their awkward way of declaring to her that they knew
suffered loss, the death of a loved one, who have suffered failure in their lives, who have had dreams that ended and were not realized. I think it's important for us to see that they were like you and me. And that morning, they had their doubts. But the risen Lord comes to those doubts. The risen Lord comes to those who are in need of knowing, who have those endless questions. Is it true? Is it possible? I believe that one of the ways that we come to faith is as we experience the risen Lord in the lives of other Christians. And we Episcopalians are a little bit uneasy with all of that. It sounds a little bit too much like the kind of evangelism that some of us have put off five many years ago, or even more recently. But I believe that part of what we're hearing this morning is the invitation for us to be like Mary, to come into the life of another person with that simple message that says, I have experienced the reason. I've experienced the love of Christ in my life. I have heard stories from many of you, stories that have deepened my faith in ways you cannot imagine. And I believe that that is what God calls us to for each one of us to be an apostle to the other. Mary, in fact, is called the apostle to the apostle because she was the one that brought that wonderful Faith comes before understanding. So many times what we want is understanding. Faith comes first. And perhaps faith can only exist in the presence of doubt. Faith reaches for what we cannot fully know. But faith withdraws us from always. I believe that today we celebrate the most important event in the Christian church. It's the reason we are here thousands of years after the event. It is the reason the Christian church has, has gone throughout the world, and there are Christians now literally all over the world celebrating that event that Mary was present at to see the So what is this day for you? I hope that it is a wonderful time but I hope it's also something more than that. I hope that in some moment, some moment perhaps during the service, some moment perhaps later in the day, when you hear that one calling to you and you realize he is